is this happening? Yeah, I think we just just carry yeah, on. Yeah, let's do it. We've yeah. not done a proper one in ages. We'll sort it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> so another lovely professional opening and welcome back to Just Not Cricket. Uh, it's been a bit and by a bit, I mean, maybe weeks, maybe a month. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> um, the frequent podcast is back um, and cricket has happened. How are you, Jamie? Have you been enjoying all the cricket that has been happening across the globe? I have been, and I have not completely forgotten about entire test matches at all, <laughs> or come in late to watching them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did almost forget to say, because we're recording just after the fourth T20 of seven um, between England and Pakistan, the biggest warm-up series you'll ever see. Um, I forgot that was happening today. I got home and saw a notification of, I think, Rizwan getting out, and I was like, oh, we're playing again. <laughs> Off we go. Uh, um, no, I, I made specific note to watch this one today because I knew we were recording. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm going to watch. <laughs> got to watch it, got to understand it. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that. A lot of cricket stuff, a lot of non-cricket stuff, a lot of controversial cricket stuff. Or is it controversial? Depends who you ask. Um, but we are back with just not cricket um, to talk about cricket and not cricket. I've, I mean, I've missed this, to be fair. It's quite a nice thing just like yeah. offload of cricket um just a nice chat in it just a nice nice chat i think since since our last recording i think we've been to a few games we went to the gloucestershire the middlesex at uh radlett which is nice we had a good time there yeah really nice atmosphere like a nice change of pace from proper big yeah. grandiose test match stuff it was just nice yeah a nice kind of 50 over that like, i think because i'd gone to the oval a couple of days before again gloucestershire and surrey and it just kind of just took you back <laughs> to like old 50 over ways where it isn't just like smash it all over the place where like you know 280 is a good score i'm not saying that's like probably a good thing to have all the time but it was just quite nice just to watch two decentish teams and new up-and-coming players and stuff like that it was fun i enjoyed that yeah and we like latched on to a couple of the players as well which was yeah. really fun like whenever they came over to our uh, end on the boundary it was like yeah come on lad. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's the lovely thing about county cricket, isn't it? Because it's so kind of personal, interpersonal. Like, you're you're right up there with the players mm-hmm. um, and you get to watch them throughout the day. Like, a test match, which is always great. I love a test match. But because you, you can be, you know, so far back, you're not potentially going to have that connection with the player in the same way. So, yeah, I love that county cricket. It was great. Um, and, you know, depending on the ground, the atmosphere is completely different. Like, say, Lords to Edgebaston or, like, even the Oval, like we've, I've only been there when Indian fans have been there. <laughs> but it's mental. just like just the complete difference in atmosphere between yeah. test matches between different grounds. It's just weird. Yeah, for sure. Good, yeah. good. But yeah. like just a strange experience. Yeah, I think that isn't that going to be a segment that we were going to do, but we haven't got round to yet of like ranking the England grounds. Um, we will do it one day for all of those waiting in baited breath. <laughs> <laughs> of um, the three I've been to, it's well. You've been to Lords, be... you've been to Oval, you've been to Edgbaston, and rather oh, I've I guess been, counts. I've been, yeah, I've been, I've, yeah. So yeah. I can do a top five, yeah, top five <laughs> in that order. <laughs> Easiest top five, but yeah, hopefully we'll do some more grounds next year. I think that is the hopeful plan. Um, get about and see some new places and new teams and new faces. Um. Don't know what that means. Anyway, we're going to like talk about some cricket. Um, most recent cricket, obviously, happened to Dave just mentioned the fourth T20 of England v Pakistan. 
um, a series that is gripping both England and Pakistani nations. Uh, uh, I keep forgetting it's happening. Um, but what I love about it is that it was the biggest piece of news, England going back to Pakistan earlier this week. And now it's not even like the top five biggest cricket news. <laughs> that, that's the thing with us doing these podcasts. Like we would record something and then two days later, it's like old news. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just been the sport in general for like the last two or three years. You're like, fuck, yeah. that's, that is a crazy thing. Two days later. Oh, oh that's a crazy thing. God, that's another crazy thing. What was it, the other thing I thought was crazy two days? <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, so God. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this is that with every kind of team around the country, or a country, around the world, um, it's just kind of warm-ups for the World T20, which happening in Australia very soon. Um, we've got seven of these games, because obviously England didn't go to Pakistan last year for reasons that were ridiculous. Um, but it is currently 2-2 in the series, which is good. Good for a neutral. Um, how much have you watched and how much have you enjoyed? <laughs> um, I've Watched today's game. I watched the run chase from the last game. Okay. I definitely didn't watch the first game. <laughs> and I'm going to say I didn't watch the second game because I can't remember anything yeah. about it. Sure. It, it's, it's been quite nice in a sense that it kind of, it's still on, it, it happens at the end of my work day and I get home and I can watch that last mm-hmm. hour and a half. So it's quite a nice way to finish it. Mm-hmm. So quick recap, if for some reason... You don't know the score and you're listening to a cricket podcast. Uh, England won the first game, batting second. Um, Alex Hales is back. He got 50 in that game after three years exiled. Um, second game, lost by 10 wickets. Uh, Baba and Rizman just, you know, chased down 200, as you do. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. I knew that was going to happen. I was going to tweet it on at just not crickpod. Uh, it'll be very Pakistan to win this by 10 wickets. And they did. Um, <laughs> Um, then the next game, uh, Duckett and um, Brooke had an absolute um, great one. Uh, Brooke got 80 odd, Duckett 70 yeah. odd, yeah. And uh, put, Jack, Jack's in the yeah, high in the order with uh, 40, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah smashed 40 at the top of the yeah. order. Yeah, he did really well. Um, but yeah, I think that was a real kind of coming of age innings of Brooke, definitely in that, in that game. That was great to watch. Um, and then I think must have won by about 40, 30 runs. It happened two days ago. Yeah. Who remembers this anymore? Um, I know that Wood bowled 97 miles an hour, and I think that's the main <laughs> takeaway of the game. Um, but yeah, Wood that back with three wickets, which is good to see. Um, I, mean, I think Wood bowling full stop is the biggest takeaway with the World Cup coming up. Oh, get that's him some big. fitness. Get him some rhythm. Yeah. Get some, banging. Yeah. Get some, get some wheels. Um, and then today... Uh, made three changes um all these games at the moment captured by mo um because joss is injured um lost by three runs today even besides the heroics of liam dawson um and today today's game just kind of passed me by i'll be perfectly honest <laughs> like yeah I, I thought that i can't really judge what if what was a good score who really cinched it <laughs> um but it was it looked like a good game watched the last kind of 10 or so overs uh, Brooke batted well, Mo batted all right, and then Liam Dawson tried to burgle a win. All good fun and games. Um, any thoughts on the series, <laughs> which we've not very briefly covered there? I mean, it feels like a very England-Pakistan 
series just going like just completely back and forth up and down between yeah. the two like yeah it's just really nice to watch Rizwan and Baba that as well they're so good like today Annoyingly good I, I don't even mind it like <laughs> they just like Rizwan today the rate at which he was batting the shots he was playing it's just really really good stuff no yeah um, right no, no definitely and then like you follow up and England are like 12 for three <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, and then somehow managed to get into a position where they only need like five runs off the last yeah. over because Dawson's had a mad one from nowhere but even then like Brooke and Mo had to like put them in that pos- like they had to get Dawson to the position where he was able to give us a chance like even if we didn't finish it off like I think we can be pretty happy with this game in general yeah considering that's kind of our second third string team um yeah. I think as well as Brooke played on Friday Thursday last month um I think today was quite a good test of his metal I think and I, I know he didn't win it but he got a good 30 odd and kind of when we we're about 30 40 odd for four or something like that mm-hmm. um and I think those kind of innings are crucial when you're really making your stamp on the international game. And he just looked completely at home, um, which is great to see. Um, I think, you know, Dawson coming at the end, you know, there's nothing to lose. Um, have a dash. It will come off. It almost did. Um, and then Topley runs himself out at the end. But it's fine. It's like it's, there's three more games to come in this seven-match series. So um, it keeps it interesting. But, yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of positives. Um, like we mentioned, Wood, obviously Brooke. Um, I think Mo's captained really well. I think we said yeah. off pod that weirdly it'd be quite nicer if, if Mo was maybe captain over Joss. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, what? No, yeah, I agree. Like, I think he's captain franchises as well. He seems a bit calmer when he's captaining. I like his bowling changes mm. today, and he made some good uh, fielding adjustments yeah. as well to get a couple of catches. I just feel a bit more secure with Mo for some reason. He, I feel like he's got the backing of the dressing room or the more of respect from the players. Not that Joss doesn't have any. Yeah, head here first. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just feel like there's a bit more of a calmness to Mo's captaincy, yeah, which it... kind of reflects in his game. Whereas with Joss, it's been a bit frantic. He's not had a lot of time. No, since taking over from. Morgan, but it does feel a bit very. It it echoes how he bats. It's very aggressive, very mm. like go hard, go home sort of. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. It's I don't think he has the chance to because I think Morgan was the Morgan plan was to play until this T Twenty World Cup. And obviously, his form just fell away, and you know, fitness wise, I don't think he felt he was up for it. Like this, it, it very much felt. During the summer, I think we've spoken about it, it was basically Morgan's team, but just Butler was captaining in it. Um, then you come to Pakistan, obviously it's a few reserve players in there, pretty new, fresh squad. It gives Mo a bit of a chance to stamp a kind of identity on the team. And like you can find it kind of, you you know, you look at that team and you know who the captain is, basically. I think that's, you know, it's Mo. Um, and I quite like, it's such a stupid, petty thing, but I like a captain captaining from like mid-on or mid-off in the field not necessarily keeper 
And I know there's been great wicketkeeper captains in the past, you know, obviously MS Stoney, you know, screams to mind, you know, Brendan McCullum when he kept for a bit. But like, I kind of like a player who can be there next to the bowler, who's always in and about it, can be running to the boundary if needs to be. Not say a keeper can't, but I, I, there's something about a keeper at, next to the bowler, which a captain next to a bowler, which feels to me a bit more captain-y. Yeah, no, like especially T20s, ODIs, so they can talk, like continually talk to the bowler about plans yeah. and yeah. field adjustments on the fly rather than like the keeper can't do that as efficiently. Yeah. And like when you talk about Donny McCullum, like they've had good players in the field in like say Coley or Ashwin for Donny, mm-hmm. uh, McCullum's had like Fatori. Yeah. So they've had like leadership roles in like, just general fielders. Whereas yeah. if you look at the England team now, like, there's not a lot of, especially in this squad at least, there aren't a lot, a lot where you like trust a mid on who's not captaining to like, tell you just ball yeah. it a bit back of the length a bit more or try yeah. and get that Yorker in on like fifth ball, set them up. Yeah. But I feel yeah. like Mo's got that sort of leadership qualities and he's he's done it before. Like he's yeah, proven, yeah, especially. And I feel like you know, you always want to captain who kind of contributes to the game. And you know, sometimes when Mo might not bowl as well or bat as well, that you know he can probably still offer something as captain, which is always ideal. Yeah. I mean he's also quite honest as well. I think after the second game, he bowled one over that went for like 21 or something, and he was very kind of blunt in like the press conference afterwards. They like, I think it was my over that cost us the game. So I hold my hands up for that, um, you know, kind of taking the flack. And, you know, I, he just fits this mould of the team that's in Pakistan at the moment, whether that would fit in Australia for the World Cup, I don't know. But I think for this squad at the moment, he's the best guy. And if he's going to be vice-captain to Joss in Australia, I think that's that's all good. Um, but, yeah, other than that, got three games to go. One team will win, <laughs> one team will lose. We'll forget about this series in the next couple of months. <laughs> um, but no, it's great to see cricket in, in Pakistan. I know we kind of brushed over it earlier because it's now no longer news. But I think it is great to see, you know, just the passion of the Pakistani fans, like all their kind of balmy advertisements and competitions, like sense and eye toothpaste keeps coming up. <laughs> as an advertisement throughout the game. I'll make those people drinking that weird tea as well. <laughs> it's just nuts and I love it. It's great. Um, it's a bit but... surreal seeing the crowd like ice lollies as well. <laughs> there was a great <laughs> You moment, don't get that at Lords. <laughs> they, they, I can't remember what the tea company is, um, what the tea sponsor is. But they have obviously, they have to cut to them at certain landmarks. And mm. there was in the last game on Friday... When England obviously posted like two twenty, and in the last over, Pakistan got to one hundred and fifty, and Mark Butcher had to be like, "Oh, now we've got to go to our what was sponsor tea moment with like these four people having their tea like <laughs> it's already over. Why are we doing this? Like, I oh, love like <laughs> I get it. T twenty, T. There we go. We've solved all issues in cricket. That's why it's not tea. called coffee twenty. <laughs> Oh, there's coffee and cricket, all right. But no, it's great to see Pakistan. And I kind of just hearing like the stadium, like, you know, the eruption when they won tonight. It's just like, this is why cricket needs to be in Pakistan. It's just, it's great to watch. Um, whether the test matches will live up to the same kind of one day hype later in the year, we shall see. But it's just great to see some kind of 
new places to watch cricket because I've not yeah. watched cricket in Pakistan before because it was kind of a little bit before my time-ish when they last toured Pakistan. Um, give or take a couple of months or years. But yeah, it's it's nice to watch a new place of cricket yeah, yeah. England playing in. Yeah, it's a really fun atmosphere. Like just it kind of echoes that like Indian subcontinent feel they've got mm-hmm. as well. Like even just cheering for like potential cotton balls or yeah. like bump balls. That they're, they're, they're in it every single ball. They're properly yeah. invested and I love it. I know. It's fabulous. Um, talk about something else that people absolutely love. Um, <laughs> um, it is, or how should I think? Let's but let's bite the bullet. <laughs> let's discuss um, the dead rubber game between England women and India women yesterday. Um, India were already two 0 up in the series. Um, England, I think. England won the T20 series before the 50 overs. They did really well in there. I think their batting has let them down a little bit in this series. They're obviously missing Heather Knight. Um, and that's Skivers taking a break from the game, um, I believe, because of mental health. Um, so they are two of their gun batters. Um, but bowling-wise, they've still got likes of Sophie Eccleston, Kate Cross. Um, and Kate Cross really bowled really well yesterday. Got four for, um, which felt very kind of quintessential late September, opening the bowling at Lords, nibbles around a bit. Um, got a lovely couple of bowls early on, early doors. Um, so that was great to watch. But the main talking point, which everyone is going to talk about and not really ever consider the rest of the series ever again, is the ending when England needed 16, I'm going to say. Yeah, sounds 16 right. runs um, with plenty of balls to do it. Uh, they were nine down. Um, recovered a little bit because they had really kind of been blown away earlier in the innings and they kind of wrestled some initiative back through Charlie Dean uh, who ended on 47 um, but was uh, man-cadded at the end or as the MCC want us to call it will be run out soon we can't call it man-cadding um, she was ran out um, by Sharma uh, Dipti Sharma at the end um, fair to say, people are um, talking about <laughs> this. Like, um, sports. I mean, generally, man cards are in the rules of the game. So if it happens, laws, laws, they're in, they're in the laws <laughs> of the game. I wrote laws in my notes as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If it's in the law of, of the game, then you've got to accept it as part of the game. It's going to yeah. happen yeah. at some point. I think different cultures have like different spiritual interpretations of what a man cad is. I think with like an English mentality is you should probably give the batsman a warning before you do it. Yeah, That's... I mean, fine. If you want to give someone a warning, fine. But I don't think you need a warning to know the laws of the game. You should be known. That's a good point. And like generally, I think it's a good law to have because it allows, or it doesn't allow, rather, the non-striker to take the piss. Yeah. They can't back up to a ridiculous 
length, they have to be wary of like the bowlers potentially doing the mag cat. So like I think the actual law itself is fine. And yeah, I don't think Deep Tea did anything wrong. I think it's a bit of a cheap way to end what was a decent match and what would have been a decent finish, but like it's gonna happen sometimes. You gotta get over it. It's like it's part of the laws. You just gotta <laughs> Yeah, I think I I don't I don't enjoy the whenever a man can happen, because like I would much prefer a game to just be played right through to the end. A, you know, a bowler getting a batter out through skill, you know, something they train at for, you know, hours and hours and hours is obviously in the laws. My opinion would be to take it out of the bowler's um, decision to man CAD or anything like that. I would think the umpire should be watching the non-striking batter or third umpire if they're taking unnecessary you know backing up going really far out then the umpire gets involved that there's an official warning if you get a second one you're out like um i play softball a bit over summer there's a rule in softball when you sort of bit like rounders where you bat in a box if you leave that box to try and hit it get a better hit you're out because you've gone out of your striking range um i guess not ten not necessarily similar but you know like for example in football sometimes well, like you see quite a lot of goalkeepers getting booked for time wasting at the end if they're just kind of holding the ball not clearing it anything like that referee comes in no get on with it yellow card like if the batter is taking a you know significant advantage by running down the wicket trying to get some running or just you know they've left the crease as the boulder has bowled it then the third umpire can say to the on-field umpire look that batter has just done that give them their first warning i just think it just leads to too much drama every time to be heaped upon the bowler who like you say it is in the laws i think yesterday was she doing it on purpose was she ever going to bowl that ball is the question i think it's going to be asked a lot because you kind of feel that she was you know watching childine was that a ball ever going to be delivered was that just kind of pushing childine to do that so she can run her out and would it have happened if England weren't lying down? Questions that have been asked <laughs> many a time. So I think if you just take that out of the bowler's hands, it's in the umpire's remit. If they've left their crease before the ball has been delivered, his, I don't know, yellow card, you need to stay in there before the ball's gone out. You've got the technology which you can monitor that. I That would be my opinion. <laughs> I just think I just hate the drama of it all, like going on, the social medias last night on our cricket page and just seeing all the abuse, <laughs> all the like yelling. It's just like everything about that game. Cause that was England women's first game at Lords since they won the world cup in 2017, I think. Yeah. And then that get, that's all forgotten because there was a man card at the end. It's just like, it's, it's a cheapened way of the end. Cause everyone's going to be talking about that instead. Um, I mean, you've got people both sides as well. Like hmm. on the England side, you're, we all have like people vehemently defending. Oh, you can't do that. That's a yeah. goes against the spirit of the game completely. And then you'll have, yeah. oh, like on the Indian side, you're like it's part of the rules. It shouldn't be able to crease. Yeah, it's there. And like, I've only seen that delivery personally, so mm-hmm. I can't 
I can't judge the context leading up to that. I don't know if Charlie Dean was taking the piss a bit or if mm. she had a warning before. I don't think she did have a warning, but no, no. again, I don't mind about <laughs> getting a warning. It's, again, you should be, as a batter, aware of that, especially with spin bowlers. Yeah. Like a yeah. fast bowler would not be able to man really. They'll be too focused on where they're bowling and getting in. A spin bowler can... Yeah. Like judge it a bit better, and I think specifically yesterday, that delivery was she really taking the piss? She was barely not an at inch all. Like there was no, it. yeah, no. I I don't see any kind of unfair advantage for the batter there. Like she was doing, you know, in the Lords, she technically <laughs> had gone beyond, but she was she was watching deeply with the ball. Okay, she's in her delivery stride. Now I can slowly start walking. And that's where the kind of the questions come from. Yeah. Was she I, yeah. watching Charlie to be like, I'm going to goad you into this and I'm going to get you out because you're going to, because I know how you're thinking yeah. and how every, how every batter who has played the game thinks like you're taught that when you're growing up as a kid, when the bowler's coming in, you are backing up with the bowler. And then once the ball seems delivered, you're going to look towards mm-hmm. the batter and then run. And all that instance, when, Deep T's back leg is, you know, hit the ground. Charlie's bat is in. She's in a delivery stride there. Bat is in. There's no unfair advantage there. She is in the next context of events. If she was going to deliver the ball normally, then she would have left the crease at the same time the ball would be delivered. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where it gets a bit messy and yucky from yesterday. Um, and I, don't, I don't think you can really look at it. I know it's in the laws of the game. <laughs> but if you take it out of context, like I showed this to Steph, my wife, yesterday who you know i only kind of show the dramatic things of cricket too because <laughs> it's not she's not going to care that much about and straight away she's like that's rubbish that's that's just you don't enjoy watching that you don't watch that for enjoyment you can't I, you'd feel yucky celebrating that there's there's no you on the base level if you're watching that as a casual or just any kind of sports viewer you would view that as are they cheating which they're not because it's in the laws it shouldn't be a law because then it leads to all this rubbish. <sighs> I think that like sort of leans into the cultural aspect as well. I, I, yeah. I don't know like how Australians or Kiwis or Bangladeshis or whoever would feel about Mankad. But I think there's definitely a very England-India divide with this as well. Yeah, We feel, especially because England, we're on the wrong end of it. Yeah, it's always like, on the end. <laughs> yeah, like we feel hard done by it because yeah. of that. So I think we have to sort of manage our cultural expectations. Like mm. The Indians think this way, and that's fine. That's how they play their cricket, yeah. and we've got to sort of accept that and adjust how we play that when we play against India. That's part of the tactics mm-hmm. of the game yeah. as well. Yeah, and I think as you mentioned, like with the stride of the delivery i think that's not on the batsman or bowler either that's in those in the lawmakers yeah because if you're saying up until like when they're in their stride that gives the bowlers like more chance to be deceitful yeah Yeah. and i think that's where the controversy and the discourse comes with it so i think you can easily go like if the ball is in their stride, 
they're in their strike to bowl. So they either have to yeah. bowl or whatever falls is just a dead ball. If they, you know, if they, if they do it a bit earlier, fine. Because if they're doing it a bit earlier, then the batsman's more likely to be further out and has been taking advantage a bit more. So, again, you can't blame the players. I, of course not. There's not one I, part of me that I'm like, I, how, no. dare, how dare you do this to our glorious game? There's not one part of me that's like that. It's in, it's, you can do that in the game. I just don't think the ways that it is done should be piled upon the bowler. I think it should be taken out. Yeah. You know, the same way, you know, that no balls are now checked by umpires. Yeah, yeah I get it. You, you, you've got the side on camera. As soon as a batter is leaving that crease, unconditionally, like, out of the delivery stride, yellow card, don't do that again. So would you add, say, like a second crease a little How bit further down? Crease? Oh, if they've passed that point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably not. I'd just say you need to stay behind that crease or have something, you know, you're about mm-hmm. something behind the normal popping crease. Once the ball's been delivered, you can leave that. Like one, 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 as well, all the time the bowler has the ball, you need to stay behind that crease. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you left that and she's not bowled it or he's not bowled it, there's your warning. Yeah. And as soon as you get that, and as soon as there's two yellow cards and you're out, no one will ever do it again because <laughs> it's some fundamental yeah, rule yeah. of the game then. And you're not, you're not, you're not then vilifying any player. And yeah, the umpire is always going to be vilified for anything, you know, bad light or rain or inspections or LBW and stuff like that. It's part of their job. But when you can like fundamentally prove something with technology and, you know, like kind of DRS and things like that, the game just needs to adapt and change. Why would you have to have one player take on all the grief that they're going to get? And that's that's going to be something they're going to be talked about forever. You know, Ashwin's a great bowler but he's only ever really going to be remembered. Well, not a lot, but a lot of the talk around Ashwin will be, do you remember when he man-cadded Joss Butler twice or that kind of stuff? Whenever a man-cad comes up, like last night, Ashwin's trending straight away. And it's sort of like, is it really a legacy that you want? It's, I don't know. I don't I, know. We don't have ours. And honestly, I know we've been talking about it for ages now, but I just don't get how it creates such a big conversation yeah yeah like get over it honestly it's just a bit like to end it on a bit of a more like cheery note like charlie dane's taken the piss that's brilliant today in the game where she's gone to mancad one of the indian batsmen and but hasn't it's like like i think that's a domestic trophy final today Ah, i think but yeah, it, that's the perfect reaction. As soon as you're back in the yeah, second yeah. stage, what's the first thing you do to break the ice? Just do that. Everyone move on. Yeah, stop, stop. exactly. Yeah. It's like fantastic. it shows you've got no hard feelings about it. Yeah. You're over it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Charlie Dean being well, upset yesterday, which I think, you know, quite rightly you would be, but I don't think she was upset of anybody but herself. That's, and like, that's the fundamental thing. Who isn't upset when you get out? Yeah. Like yeah. just full stop. Yeah. Forget that it's for the match. Like, yeah. Look at, Liam Dawson like smashing the chair today yeah. when uh, yeah. was it, it was Stone and Rashid in at the time. Mm-hmm. He, he was well pissed off because he didn't get to finish it. Like Charlie yeah. Dean's just as pissed off because she's not helping them win the match. Like, yeah, you want to see that the emotion. Man... They love it. They care about it. They want yeah. to win games for England. You know, she felt she let her team down by you know not having a game head on. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, 
what was she lured into it? But that's another question. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's fine. I, I've got nothing against enduring or whatever. I just think that it should change or rule the wording. Who cares? Hopefully, we won't get another one for another, you know, a couple of years, and then we'll talk about it again. Right, county cricket. Um, we love county cricket. County cricket has been happening. Um, a lot of cricket has been happening, as we've mentioned, as we've not covered. Um, Surrey won county championship division one, and they beat uh, Yorkshire uh, last week. They won by ten wickets. Uh, Rory Burns, remember him? Um, oh. Hit the winning runs. Um, Thirty off, uh, sixteen balls. So he's looking obviously for his baseball contract. Um, but yeah, I think Hampshire were the other team um, who were vying for a um, win of the county championship, but Kent uh, did beat them. So that lost all their kind of chance. Was it Lancashire? One of the two. But yeah, sorry, <laughs> have won. It's 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 so, I, I enjoy country cricket, but it's so difficult to stay on top of every little thing that's happening. You've got county games, you've got internationals coming out your ears. <laughs> and then obviously you've got all kind of outside drama but congrats to sorry i think that makes them the uh team who've won the championship the most now so to be expected of their facilities and their dollar but yeah they did well did well good stuff rory burns nothing against rory burns so good to see him get some runs uh pope got 100 as well he made himself available for that game after the very short finished test series <laughs> um so he got some more runs which is nice um, and then in white ball stuff, um, Kent won the Royal London 50 over um, in what will probably be Darren Stevens' last uh, professional game, at least for Kent. Um, he does still want to play on. And I, I love the fact that I think he has entered his name into the, or ne- entered his name into the Big Bash draft. Um, I don't think he got picked up, but that shows you his kind of dedication to still keep playing and um, an absolutely balmy career that he has had. Um, so it's quite nice to see that, you know, he got to win with some silverware at the end. He got about 30 odd with the bat and Kent won about, about 30 runs. So if you want to script it that way, he he won that game. <laughs> um, but I think Jerry Everson, who from Kent got 100 in that final, he used to be a knots player. Um, so it's quite a quite a nice kind of full circle story for him. Um, but yeah, that's fun to watch. Um, but is county cricket as we know it about to die, Jamie? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> if Star Wars The Revenge of the Sith is anything to go by. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Strauss has got some proposals. Um, don't think many of the county boards seem to like it that much. And from the sounds of it, they weren't really consulted, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, what are your initial thoughts? Did you want to give a quick rundown of what... Uh, Sir Andrew Strauss has to say. I, I do. I've got the points. Yeah. Yeah. So the start of the county championship would move from April to May and run continuously throughout the summer months, rather than being split between the start and the end of the summer as it is currently, and finish in September with teams playing a minimum of 10 games. Yeah. I mean, that one's fine. I don't think. I mean, people want more, don't want to see a less county, Red Bull County Championship games, but. I mean, I think something's got, was always going to give on that. You know, how can you really... It's, a, it's frustrating because I love it and I don't want people mm-hmm. to think like, boo, county cricket. But it's a very difficult model to sell and the ECB want money. Um, <laughs> and to have a game which will span mostly over 
term time dates when people are at school and people are at work Monday to Friday mostly mm-hmm. as is the way <laughs> um who how are you not really going to get big crowds in to see these games and you know they most of the time they are going to take place at test grounds and you know the cricket quality is generally pretty good and you know quite a lot of England players always go and dip into county cricket maybe not enough but they will dip in to get form before a test series things like that and it does in the end create the players like Joe Root um, and I think what Strauss wants is to try and make county cricket especially Red Bull as competitive as it can be so you've got all the best players playing all the time I don't think it still happened with IPLs and things like that but I can I can see where he's coming from but I can also understand people wanting more yeah. Red Bull cricket but yeah I, I would vanillary agree with that I suppose like I I'm fine with it happening in one set block. Mm-hmm. Like he's got the one day cup will take place in a single block in April and could include minor counties in an FA cup style knockout format. And you'll have the hundred taking place in a block at the end in August. Like we'll come back to the one day cup, including minor counties. Cause I think that's really sick, but I like the idea of sort of bookending the red Bull season with two white ball games so you're not like jumping in from one thing to another Mm. and you don't you still will have players coming in late to the to the first class games but you'll more likely have a settled team during that time and it's i think it's quite fun to start with white ball and end with white ball my issue with the white ball end is it being the hundred (laughs) in general yeah yeah like <laughs> we don't we, get the blast. No, the T20 blast would reduce from 14 matches to 10. So yeah. they're pushing the 100 and it would also be in a single block from the end of May to the end of July. Money. That should be that should be the final block. Yeah. Like I think we both have a general conceptual uh, disagreement with the 100. Mm. I think that's the one competition you should have if you're going to have it that runs through the season to just be a bit of a banter game every now and then yeah like i don't think you need to like get too pumped for the hunch or need much training for it you just go ah go on fuck it let's have an exhibition game and well yeah for for the kids that are coming down because i think that's what the primarily like its primary objective is to get a younger audience into the game yeah, and that's fine, but can't you do that with three twenty? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I think that's 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 that is that be the issue. Like, I think because I did go to a hundred game in August um, to you know because I wanted to give everything my honest viewing. I think I ended up seeing probably the two best games of the season, from what I know. <laughs> like they were very very close. Went down to the last ball in both games. Well, that's what I, that's what I like about hundreds that you've got double headers between um, the women and the men's game, which I think is quite unique and really quite exciting to see. You know, two different sets of teams, um, but um, it is it is mostly for a, a kids' audience, and, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And it and it was apps laws was full when I went, and it gets loads of kids into the game. Um, but the fact that it will be an August block for the foreseeable future, that's already away from Strauss's plan. That's already ECB's, you know, plans the next kind of few years. You can tell that from England's upcoming tour schedule. 
Uh, I know next year Australia play South Africa in August. That's why the Ashes has been moved. Um, but for the years after that, it's very clear that there's not any kind of real international cricket in August. And that kind of says what we need to know. Yeah. Um, it just feels very odd to really like, it doesn't feel odd because they're doing it because money, but they're really pushing this for August. They have all the best players all the time, chuck money in it. And in the end, people are going to love it. They're not. No. Um, they obviously wouldn't be able to do the Blast franchise because the Blast uses county teams and they can't sell county teams. You know, you can't have London Spirit bought by, I don't know, let's just use the Glazers as an example. You can't have those brands <laughs> bought as commercial properties because they're all county teams and established county setups and institutions. Um, but I still don't know, understand why you can't still have a franchise t20 competition and you have to have it as the 100 it's a i think it's a mess and the fact that you're trying to like restrict and compensate other things for something that's only just had two seasons and the first season was kind of covid-ish second season's just gone and it was very middling i don't think there was many close games like i said i think i saw the two closest ones um, the fact that you're throwing all your eggs into this basket, into this competition, this format that no one else plays, it's just a very odd hill to die on. Because um, then you flip that, you see the Test cricket this summer, and that's been great to watch. And you kind of would argue, does there need to be a review now? <laughs> because suddenly England have a new captain and coach and suddenly the best team in the world. Not the best team in the world, but you like to think. <laughs> but um, it's a mess. So if you're thinking as Andrew Strauss, that you're doing these sort of reforms with the with England yeah. as your main interest. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's an international 100 format. <laughs> there is an international first-class format in test matches, but there's going to be fewer first-class games. Mm-hmm. There's an international T20 format, yeah. of which we'll okay. have less games. <laughs> I, I don't think India, Australia, Sri Lanka, etc. have 100 teams. They do not. I, I don't think the 100 is to the betterment of England. Cricket no, it feels very much because like, England pretended to invent T20 cricket in 2003, but they kind of try and do exactly <laughs> the same thing with 100. It's, it's not going to happen. Like The IPL is not going to go to 100 balls. Like It's never going to happen. Um <laughs> But the fact, I think another fact, another fact, another fact, <laughs> a bad thing is because of August, um, no county championship, no one day cup, no T20s, as it is just 100, that will leave counties such as, you know, your Kent's, Somerset. It, Somerset being like one of the, high riches of English cricket in producing players, you know, like Hildreth and Butler, Craig Keysvetter, yeah. Leach, Marcus Treskovic. If you're taking away cricket at that time of the year, height of summer, at Taunton, which whenever you watch in Taunton, is always bouncing. Great. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to Taunton and watch cricket. Yeah. But when am I able to go now? Because it's not during summer. You know, it's that's a real great place to watch cricket. And, you know, it's always full as a county ground. And yeah, people say county cricket's dead, but Taunton's always bouncing. Um, and then, you you know, places like Leicester or Durham, um, you're very much narrowing 
the vision of who can watch cricket or what is very an already elitist sport anyway yeah. like if you're very much constricting it down to london manchester birmingham cardiff for some reason um it's it, that is you know pulling apart the game yourself if you're not that strauss has said there could be red bull cricket festivals of like you know lancashire the yorkshire but that's just kind of pulling wool over the eyes because that's not that's nothing isn't it like that's just an exhibition game yeah exactly they're just glorified friendlies yeah exactly. not even glorified yeah. they're just friendlies they're just yeah yeah exactly if you're not playing under do you want to show up for a game We've... yeah got no, you're not doing anything else are you um... no we we booked the ground for this <laughs> next five days don't have a game though Strauss said it's under yeah. time <laughs> so i think that's the fundamental problem um yeah, because you can't even have, you know, have women's cricket take the spotlight during August as well. Because obviously the women's hundred goes on exactly the same time. Which again, I think it's double headers is good, but you've got you've got nothing else for people. People love cricket and want to watch. You're watching the hundred, or that's it. <laughs> and it's just like I don't want to watch the hundred. I don't yeah. like, and most cricket fans won't want to watch the hundred. Kids will. That's fine. That's fun. Most cricket fans won't. And that's you know. That's that's a sorry tale of English cricket. To accommodate everything yeah. for that, it's a sad thing. Um, like, as much as I would love to see Mikey holding his thoughts on it, I don't want to see him die talking about it either. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. Oh, gosh. But it then just means everything gets pushed back. I know international conflicts and stuff, but next year, like, I was just looking for podcasts because obviously England women have a test match at Trent Bridge next year, a five-day one, which is great because they normally get shunted to four days into mining county grounds. So Trent Bridge, five days, is fantastic. But I was looking at the other international fixtures and England player Ireland and ODI on the 23rd of September. Like, it's... That's just the real back-end, who cares about this? Like, you're shunting international cricket to the very end, so you have August for 100 time. Um, even though Australia have fixtures next year. I know, but it's okay. It's fine. We love it. We love cricket. Um, so will this save county cricket, Jamie, in final thoughts? Uh, I mean, we've got a couple more. Things. Oh, I think oh, just oh, go, oh, gosh. Okay. It's just a couple. Like, just to go back to the one-day cup introducing, mm. like, minor counties, I think that's going to be really exciting. I love watching, like, at the T20 World Cup last year, the pre-qualifiers, like, Papua yeah. New Guinea. I find that really exciting because I don't know anything about the team. Yeah. So I think that's the sort of vibe you'll bring with, I don't even know, Devon? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That's the kind of thing that you like to see, isn't it? I think it's yeah, just, exactly. it's the same when we went to go watch, um, went to Radlett and you saw yeah. fringe players for Gloucestershire and Middlesex that you you learned about, you know, different kind of players and stuff like that. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know whether that will be confirmed or not, Um but I think that would be, I think I've been banging on about that for ages. Um, yeah, it'll be well fun. It's just an exciting, like, it's a natural development of the game as yeah. well. It doesn't feel like you're doing it because, like, you've had a marketing meeting. Like, oh, this will be great. This will up the audience numbers. It's just, yeah, it involves lesser teams that will help their development, help Massively. them get better. And it will, like, naturally help other players that wouldn't normally get into the England setup a little bit further down the line. But there's the opportunity there. No, I agree. Absolutely. I'd love to see that. Um, 
We're agreed on that at least. Um, do you say you had another one? Yeah, we've got two more. I've saved the oh, two more. most egregious for last, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> uh, the second division conferences will be split into two oh, yeah. separate divisions of six teams. One promotion place decided by an end-of-season playoff. I, there's no I point in I mean. doing that. You, all you're doing with that is slowly jettisoning the teams you don't want in there. You know, like the yeah, Leicestershires and the Derbyshires and stuff like that. That's all they're doing. Like, unless you're doing a north-south divide, so you're making it a bit easier for teams that yeah. might struggle with finances when travelling. I can see that as a reason to do that, but I've not seen then, anything that yeah. suggests it is north and south. It just says two separate divisions but then who are you deciding who gets into the premier yeah, division exactly. like how 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 are you deciding that like because the, uh, there's a the current structure sorry go there's an end of season playoff so they'll have yeah. either a series or a one-off game to decide oh, no i mean like now so if you oh, say now. like if you hypothetically were to go into this structure next year how do you suddenly say like are oh, you in normal circumstances you you stayed up this year but nope you're now into one of the two lower divisions it's sort of like i don't know Rubbish. <laughs> so, uh, so you had what? Yeah. Final the point. Rubbish. Uh, they are using Kookaburra balls. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Well, that'll be the hope. That's what they. Were. Yeah. Like the Duke's ball is part of the England cricket culture. It's what yep. makes it like just completely different to the subcontinent and Australian. Yeah. Conditions. That's part of the swing movement. It's part of. The difficulty when England teams go play away. It, yeah. And I Time get advantage. the point. Yeah, I get the point that Strauss is like, we're doing this to try and make the team more competitive overseas. But like, it takes away some of your own character. And the best important stuff, yeah, the best stuff about the English game. But like, do that in like your stupid festivals or whatever, you know? Like, we're yeah. going to in these festival games have the Kookaburra ball. Use fucking Kookaburra for a hundred match. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why that one point has riled me up the most, but it it feels but yeah, no, I agree, very out of character for English cricket. I yeah, I want to see Jimmy and Broad bowling with a Kookaburra at Lords and be like, "Where the fuck's the swing? Where's the movement?" Yeah, because you know fundamentally it won't happen in Test match cricket. That's the thing. Like, and that, again, like you said, that's what makes cricket interesting is like you know you're going to Australia Australia play a kookaburra ball they know how to play a kookaburra ball a bowl of kookaburra ball and that's the test of a touring team to overcome yeah. that challenge that's what you want to see like you don't want to see suddenly England go to Australia and be like oh we're well equipped for this this is just what we play at home because Australia are never going to take a Duke's ball and like use a Duke's ball in Australia like, why do we have to overcomplicate all this stuff which is just silly <laughs> So yeah, I don't think it's going to work. So basically, the counties would have to vote on this, and they would need a majority for it to be confirmed. Um, and I, from the vibe, I don't think it would be. Um, they might take elements from this and think, oh, that's cherry pick the nice bits. Um, but you know, counties like Kent and Worcester and Derby and Somerset, Durham, I can't see any of them. I think some of them already put statements out to be like, we will not be, you know, pushed aside or made rendered irrelevant. I think it was Kent's words or something like that. Um, because this is what they're doing. They're just kind of yeah. keeping their hundreds-ish area teams by having, you know, Lancashire and Warwickshire and Surrey 
um, in this premier division because they're getting the most revenue. Yeah. Fundamental is money. Um, so we will see. <laughs> I don't think it will go through, but we could yet to be surprised. 100 did, so... Oh, yeah. um, because, they, <laughs> because they paid off everyone um, but yeah alas um, I think that's pretty much it um, cricket wise maybe um, apart from obviously the series of in India and Australia which we've been very much um, all over um, you knew it was happening a, f a full kind of two minutes before we did this podcast of course yeah uh, I know <laughs> every detail about them yeah. uh, India won 2-1 I think that happened today. They won a last ball or a ball to go or something like that. Um, yeah, seems Finch exciting. <laughs> I'm just trying to pluck up a cricket news. has happened. Finch has retired from one day cricket, but is still T20 captain. Um, Kohli got 100 against Afghanistan in the most de dead rubber game you've ever seen in your life with both Afghanistan and India having been disqualified, well, not disqualified, knocked out of the Asia Cup. And their last game, Kohli got 100. Sure. Um, Sri Lanka won the Asia Cup though which is pretty good so that's good going for them yeah. Chris Silverwood miracles can happen um, Goldwood <laughs> it's Goldwood um, I can't think of much else if I'm being perfectly honest no. um, and the season's almost drawing to an end as we head towards the winter seasons um, unless you've got any cricket stuff I don't have any cricket stuff oh <laughs> What could that mean? What else could you have? I think that's usually where our jingle plays for our just not cricket segment. <laughs> oh, I, I don't have one. What can I... I, I make one up every time. So I'd be like... Just not cricket. Here we are. Thank you. So, like, other people have been doing, like, midway, halfway season through reviews for lord of the rings the rings of power we can't oh, do that serious. yeah that's going on we can't do a mid-season review because it's over halfway in the season now <laughs> so i thought we'd do uh lord of the rings rings of power just over halfway nice <laughs> season nice. review no one else will be doing this no no of course they've all done their mid-season reviews last week we're ahead of the curve we're doing something different we're doing something new we're, we're innovative yeah because it was it three left yeah, two, we've two, had three. we've had five episodes so far. Yeah. Got three left. Yeah. So I thought if we start off with what we think, what we like about it first, what we think's been going well, <laughs> because the end might deteriorate into ranty territory. <laughs> oh no! Um, uh, uh, do you want me to go first? <laughs> uh, yeah. Do we if we want to? Um, uh, things we yeah. like. I think it is a very pretty show. Snap, I've got that too. Um, I think it's probably one of the best shows to look at I've seen. Um, I think it's, it uses a good balance between practical and CGI um, mm -hmm. in a way that I think a lot of properties don't. Um, to be able to see things like practical orcs, proper, you know, full-on sets, um, place like Numenor, for example, you know, blending that between CGI and the actual sets just looks fantastic. Um, I think the score is very good. Like the music score around kind of Kazadoom and Numenor and stuff like that feels very like fitting of Tolkien, Middle-earth, in my opinion. Um, 
I think uh, a lot of the characters are surprising how much I, I've enjoyed them more, yeah. like maybe expected. I think when I watched the initial trailers, I thought Ellen Deal was going to be a bit drab and a bit kind of mm-hmm. like generic. Um, but I think potentially he's stealing the show at the moment. I think he's fundamentally very good. Like I think he said in the last episode, like we're heading to Middle Earth, but he said it in such like a booming like voice. I can't really describe it. Like I don't know how you'd get your voice to project like that, but it just sounded so like kind of kingly. Um, yeah, it's got a very sort of tenor, <laughs> yeah, sort of voice in him. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's he's great, and I think um, how they're working his character and hearing him speaking Elvish things like that. I think I you know you you look at him and be like, oh yeah, of course Aragorn is your descendant. Um, I like I really like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elrond I think is great. I always thought he's going to be from the act from the um casting. I thought that was always going to be a great decision. Um Durin and Deezer. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy their relationship and their, you know, their um interactions with Elrond. I think that's really, really fun to watch. Um uh, what is other elf's name who is not Galadriel? Arondir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like Arondir. He's he feels like one of the more Tolkienian. Yeah, definitely... he's a very stoic mm. I've sort abs- of yeah. like conflicted elf yeah. as well, especially of the mortality, immortality stuff yeah. going on with the humans he's watching over. What the men he's watching over. <laughs> the men. Because um, I was very unsure about him at the beginning because I thought because mm-hmm. um, they're trying to like jump the gun to be like he's, he's been watching them for years that they're trying to really brought home this love story that I just didn't really connect with. But as soon as they took him away and had him solo for a couple of episodes, I was like, okay, I can I can understand you as a character and I can definitely see you as an elf. Like the bit when he's cutting down the tree yeah, felt very, very Tolkien and very like, you could feel the inner conflict of him. I thought mm-hmm. it was really great. I really like that episode as well, showing the other side of the conflict, showing the orcs being menacing, having their like prisoner camps and all of that. Like yeah. we've not, seen that in any adaptations no before it's a nice sort of change of pace a nice uh just a difference from what we've seen before and we can see that evil growing as well and Mm. Deer having to like sacrifice some of his own sort of morals to protect his other yeah elves and other like prisoners women he cut the tree down and he speaks elvish to the like he's asking it to forgive him yeah it's just a nice little plot line they've had i think that was yeah yeah really 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 enjoyed that um um (laughs) um i'm watching it now though like with the thing like i'm because i know what it's about Mm -hmm. that sounds like so simplistic to say but i know what the vibe of the show is going to be I can sit down and I can like know vaguely what to expect mm-hmm. and I can like kind of reserve my expectations. So when it started, I'm like, okay, Lord of the Rings is my favorite film series of all time. This has got to be, this has got to be big. This is not yeah. like, cause I remember I watched it first and I told you I watched it and you were like, ah, oh, I want to know. <laughs> like it was a big kind of like when it first started, Oh, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this, but now I know what the vibe is. I can kind of mm-hmm. sit back and, you know watch it for a show and not necessarily have to get too maybe too kind of worked up about stuff I don't necessarily yeah, like yeah. as much because I know the vibe of it 
but then when something happens which is you know very Tolkien-y or works very well in my loving of Lord of Rings I'd be like oh I can appreciate that a lot um is there anything else that you like that you want to add before we move I I think you've covered it to be honest I think the acting in general has been decent like Mm. What do you make? I don't know if this is going to lead into our next segment. What do you make of the dialogue? Right. It might lead into our next segment. Okay. (laughs) I think generally it's a bit hit and miss. Sometimes Mm. it feels very good. It feels very Tolkien. Uh, Other times it feels like they're using language, which is just a bit too modern. Like I slipped up by saying human (laughs) a couple of minutes ago. That's not the term. No. It's men. But they've yeah. used human before. Right. Okay. They like, it's just really small things, and I think that's the major thing that I'll bring up. Like these tiny things add up into like just one big. <sighs> it makes me not like it. <laughs> like they use words like yeah, nah, okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. Human. Yeah politician and it just takes you out of it for a sec yeah politician felt bizarre when they said politician yeah and then you felt like like... it's going to be game of thronesy do you know what i mean like they're sort of like vibes they're looking at be like this is that way they say that game of thrones we'll use that um i wouldn't mind that sort of vibe not say the language but i think the numenor storyline should be a bit more thronesy it should sort of like echo the political game to use that yeah. word again yeah, yeah, yeah. of say king's landing in season one like farazon should be working in the shadows which i think he is i think they're showing farazon doing that quite well but then you'll have the numenorians in the marketplace just going up oh, fucking elves taking our jobs i know like what what was that <laughs> and then like you'll have the flip side of that with farazon with his speech which is really good yeah and then they kind of like slightly ruin it a bit when he's just like drinks all around i know like, what was that for you've it's made your point with the it's speech. not a fucking bar who's bringing you drinks it's no bar you... now because boys and boise it's just that sort of thing like the architecture the set pieces are really really gorgeous i think that's where the most attention to detail is i think other content creators have pointed out that while Numenor looks very pristine in general, the around the White Tree of Nimloth, it's the biggest connection they have to the elves, but that's very deteriorated. It's a bit in yeah. ruins. But I think that's part of the issue of the show. They're putting that sort of attention to detail yeah. in the yeah. wrong place. And I think that makes it really shallow. Like they're showing off, they've got uh, like their knowledge of the law with the statues of Olmo, with the Silmarils, with Tuor's hammer and his shield, the helm of Dorlomin, with like various iterations of Beren and Luthien. Yeah. But that's not reflected in the dialogue or like the characterization yeah. of people. Like, this isn't Galadriel. Give her a different name and I'd be more comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. there's a scene where he, the rant's coming up, by the way. <laughs> I, I guessed. If you hadn't gathered. <laughs> There's a scene folks. where Muriel is talking to Elendil and she sort of like asks him if his name is like Elvish. Yeah. In, in a bit of an, like, an accusative manner. 
Do you know where Muriel's name comes from? I do. It's Feanor's mother's name. That oh. is possibly the most elvish name you can have. And you're like, you've got an elvish name, dickhead. <laughs> Gosh, like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's a very small thing, again, to change the dwarvish idea of reincarnation, like Durin going into Durin. Yeah. I think conceptually I'm not, I don't hate it, but mm. I'm not all for it. And they've kind of done that. So that when the new king wears the crown, they get all the personalities and memories of yeah. that. But that, I think, dilutes the idea and the themes of that going into the dwarven race and culture. Mm. And then you have very small things like the names. The Southern Lo the Southlanders names range from like Welsh with Bronwyn from Old English but sounds modern with Theo yeah. to Irish with like I think it's Rowan, his best so. mate. Yeah. It's like pick a fucking lane. Do some yeah. research into it. Like you've mm. shown that you can add in like law without necessarily explicitly stating it. Like, there's a character in the first age called Boromir. You can use, like, in the appendices of Lord of the Rings, Aragorn's family tree on his father's side is basically listed. Go to there and use some fucking names from there. Yeah. Don't just go, ah, Theo, that's a name. Oh, Theoden, yeah. Theodred, we'll just take that. People will be like, ah, like Theoden. It's just. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. Oh. And I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head the fact that they've. They've obviously got so many people putting so much detail in behind the scenes, like because there's also a thing in Numenor as well where they're kind of rebuilding Numenor kind of men style to a wall by getting rid of the Elvish style. There's little things like that which I really love, but it's just I, I get a feeling that either they try they try too hard with the dialogue, which they try to make it sound all kind of like you know a bit like poetry or lyrical or kind of Tolkieny, and then it becomes a bit kind of too ham-fisted mm -hmm. um or they go to more modern because they'd probably be like oh some of these conceptual ideas are like oh might, might not make sense in dialogue so we'll we'll dumb it down and it's sort of like just pick like you say pick a lane <laughs> just yeah. choose what like, you're gonna do i understand them trying to make it a bit more inclusive to mm. those who aren't more familiar with tolkien's yeah. works but don't dumb it down to an extent when you're like ah fam Fuck yeah, you, Theodore. Yeah. Don't have it to an extent where Durin is like two letters away from swearing. <laughs> Again, it's like really tiny things, but yeah, it takes you out of it, doesn't it? They feel it like really you know, does. Yeah, it doesn't feel well. So sometimes when like I can't remember what the exact wording is, but when like Elrond sees Durin for the first time, I can't remember. He says like something very lyrical. Like mm. something about our, uh, uh, it's been many wins or something so, since all your last. I remember like listening to it, like, oh, that sounds great. That sounds really perfectly elvish. Yeah. But then, but then you have like, so, like you say, so many other stuff where it's just sort of like, it's still to talk to his mates. And it's sort of like, this could just be any kind of generic YA fantasy show. And it's sort of yeah, like, this exactly. feels weird. Like, I mean, we've already got YA female protagonist in <laughs> Galadriel, like, just. <laughs> brooding around hell-bent on revenge like when finally you've got an opportunity to expand on that Halbron's actually asked her why she's still fighting she's just like I, I can't, can't stop. stop I can't stop 
like that comes i think it comes pretty close after the revelation that the tree in linden is like corrupted yeah or something so you could have a reveal like she's known about that going on for ages for like that's why she's trying to find sauron that's why she's hell-bent on it's not just because of finrod it's because of the her love for the her race it's she's trying to do something actively like so is is another one of your points Galadriel, or is, is that kind of been summed up? I think that's been summed up in general. Like, there's, I think there are a few characters that are just generally unlikable and one-dimensional, and these aren't sure. like just minor characters. Like Hellbrand's fine. Yeah. I don't mind Hellbrand. He's the oh. the implication that he might be Sauron. The implication that him and Galadriel might have feelings for each other worries me, but fine, whatever. Like, yeah. there are three characters in mind. We've spoken about Galadriel, she's one of them, that should have an aura about them, or at least like a semblance of an aura that should be developed and built upon. There should be some sort of heroic tendencies in them already. Yeah. We've spoken about Galadriel, she's just a bit of a bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. She's not shown many other emotions. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's kind of like, sort of like, how can I really root for this? Because I think she's a great actress. I love all things. Yeah, like, I think she's I fantastic. Um, but I'm like, just give me something else. Like, yeah, exactly. W- what else are you other than the death of your brother? Yeah. Like, like that moment when she's like, I can't stop fighting just because. There was a change in there. There was mm. some sort of a different emotion there, mm. like regret or sort of contempt for herself. But then the writers have given her just a nothing motivation. But the actor has sold it. Yeah, 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 completely. Like, Like, yeah, the only scene that really resonates me with Gladriel is one of her first ones when she has to be with Elrond. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's one of the fun scenes. And I think they really bounce back and forth really quite nicely. But yeah, I just want something more. I want some kind of like, I know she's going to go through this like patch of like, I must have revenge, but I like, I would like to see some, some kind of like happiness or like joy or like mm. some real wonderment of the world. Yeah, sure. not like, like a slow mo weird smile on a horse. Weird, though. Like, and there's also a weird slow mo like, when she's doing the fighting as well, wasn't she? Like when she sort yeah. of goes up to that, so I'm like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. Like maybe like give her a husband and a daughter or something. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Like another character that should have that sort of aura about Ms. Gilgalad, the High King mm. of the Noldor, who will eventually go on, along with Elendil, mm-hmm. to defeat Sauron in fucking yeah. combat in the War of yeah. the Last Alliance. But he's yeah. just a massive dick. He is. He's not showing respect to one of the oldest and wisest elves in Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Granted, she's not shown anything warranted for respect. <laughs> <laughs> no. But then he, like, he's been a massive dick to Elrond. He's manipulating him. Yeah. I don't think we'll have enough time to discuss Mithril, but <laughs> is manipulating him to get some Mithril for bullshit <laughs> for reasons. reasons. For because the hours might die, because the like <laughs> he calls him Elrond Perethel, which means half elven. Yeah. He says it in like a very name cally yeah, like, like even though they're supposed to be like, yeah. you know close aren't they they're supposed to be like best pals exactly like he gilgalad should be more of like a father figure to elrond like yeah literally at the moment it feels more like Celebrimbor is more like a yeah. figure to elrond 
yeah, like Celebrombo was like telling him about his father and mm. that sort of stuff. And, like people should, like every single elf should know the story of Eärendil and should have yeah. a bit of a bit of respect for Elrond for what he's gone through because him and his twin were basically raised by their kidnappers. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Give him a break, man. Just. <laughs> Oh dear! Even though he is a Gilgal is annoying in this, I think like the way again that Elrond reacts and the way he's acted in response mm. to it is really the, the inner turmoil that he has between like his oath to Durin and you know, you know his duty to elves. I think is acted really well. I think it's whether it comes from yeah. the right person or not. I think the way he reacts to that kind of conflict is great. Um, but potentially there could be behind the scenes motives for Gilgalad being manipulated. I think yeah. we've discussed off camera, which would make that make sense if you wanted to go down that line. But yeah, I mean, like I think Gilgalad's actor is actually playing an elf very well as yeah. well. Like the way so he's very delivering the lines. Very, yeah. yeah. Like even when he is being a dick, he's like he's Yeah. He is acting well. Like he's just not giving given... more. Yeah. Give him give... stuff. Give him something good. Yeah, he's only been in two episodes, well, isn't he? Like it's been yeah. scenes that like five yeah. episodes. He's only been in two. Yeah, I mean, so we have to have some patience to yeah. allow the characters to develop. But then again, it's coming towards the end. Yeah, it's been a tenth of the whole series. Yeah, like we need a bit more. He's not even started happened. filming season two yet, so we're gonna. Have... <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you have Isildur. Gosh, who I yeah. think a lot of people who have only just watched the movies will have seen him and think he's a bit corruptible because he's taken the ring. Yeah. But like prior to that, and like quick side note, the ring is a big power of corruption. It's yeah, gonna fuck you up. Yeah. Like a <laughs> like door is a massive baller, basically, in the second age. Like yeah. he goes against like Farazon's kingsmen. He saves a seedling or a sapling from the white tree in Numenor, which will then go on to be yeah. the white tree in Gondor. Like he's the reason for the white tree in Gondor existing. Yeah. yeah. And you're just showing him be a bit of a selfish bitch, like fucking up on the boat to get dismissed, which gets his friends dismissed. Yeah. Or like he's only apologizing to his friends. Like, can you get me on the army? It's like, yeah. Hey, do something that deserves getting there instead. Yeah. Like I, I I get the sense that they're trying to build up his like character arc to be this kind of big heroic guy from this bumbling kind of idiot who's kind of nothing in the beginning. But whether that sticks is a yeah. I think they're going for like directionless, sort of just doesn't know what to do with his life. Yeah, who he and wants to be, yeah. Fine, but like show a bit of it about himself and again yeah. i think the actor's doing a really good job yeah with what they've got yeah exactly yeah it's just a shame because because you know the fundamentals are there aren't they? that's the problem you just want a bit like a bit more mm -hmm. but... i think i think that's what i mean with how it feels so shallow like you've definitely got substance there you're just not like mixing it all together that it feels natural that it feels engaging which ironically i thought five was the worst episode so far but i uh -huh. felt the most engaged watching it which is really weird 
lot of stuff happened. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, like granted, I had some rum with me, so <laughs> that might have helped. And the whole mithril stuff cut kicked off, didn't it? So that's uh, we can, we can save it? that for another time. Uh yeah, like just to because we can see where it goes. Because I've got the suspicion that it's like a not a thing, but I don't know. Well, I, don't... I mean, if we want to cover it quickly, the elves think because of an old legend which they should be old enough to, to know if that's factual to know and yeah exactly uh the silmaril a uh, mithril is basically a byproduct of silmaril from lightning hitting a tree while an elf and a balrog is fighting around the tree yeah i think it's going to be confirmed that it's sauron behind the scenes making shit up mm-hmm. but it's a stupid lie <laughs> like the elves should know yeah. Nah, that's that's not where the silver no. really is. <laughs> and secondly, it's Pretty like boy. the the idea is that the light of the trees is what keeps their immortality going. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Like, <laughs> it's just like, what's their plan to with the mithril? Well, yeah, because they had to like soak themselves all in the light or something, didn't they? Say something bizarre. No, I. It doesn't make any sense. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it doesn't because yeah. I, I watched it sort of like, eh? <laughs> and I like to feel like I've got like a a base level Tolkien. I'm no, I don't think I'm anywhere near you, but I've got like the base, which is well above casual, <laughs> but below like scholarly level. <laughs> but like to me, I was sort of like I had to rewatch the scene, so it's sort of like, <laughs> like imagine watching that as as a casual, you're like. What? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense as <laughs> No, I mean, it. I've watched like content from Tolkien YouTubers that know a substantial more mm. than I do, and they're like, ah, "What?" Yeah, feels like trying to create something out of nothing, really. But yeah, exactly. Um, like any other gripes did you have? Or yeah, like there are message smaller bits, but like like I said, I think the tiny aspects build up to just niggle yeah. away a bit too much i think the editing cuts away sometimes a bit weirdly yeah there's a scene when uh bronwyn cuts off the orc's head in episode one or two. Oh yeah but yeah. they cut before that and like cut into her like slamming the orc yeah. head on the table i think it was a bit janky but i think the editing yeah, yeah yeah i know yeah. what you mean yeah like there's a transition in the last episode where Elrond's looking up to the sky to the moon and then it transitions to Eärendil's statue in Numenor. I think that's a really good piece of cinematography mm. and editing. Mm. It's just do it more. <laughs> yeah, no. I think editing wise I think they're getting better. Yeah. Like, I I think it's best as... when it lets the scenes breathe. Mm-hmm. Is my like I think it's episode 3 or whatever when they go to Numenor for the first time or maybe I can't remember what I had lost track, but there's like an <laughs> episode where it's sort of like most of these scenes are either Numenor or, or with Elf Guy, who I forget his name, in his in the orc pit. Sort of like it's kind of just those two. Mm-hmm. Here's here's their story for this episode. That's what you're getting, and then yeah. you just feel a bit more like I understand. This is yeah. This is how this world is, and especially when you're introducing so many new characters or characters you've not seen before mm-hmm. in this world, or characters you know but don't know properly yet here. 
you just need to give them time to breathe. You know, that's why something like the Fellowship works well in the film because you spend so much time with the Hobbits first and Gandalf, and then you slowly spend more time with the others, get to know them, chucking everyone in deep end, yeah. being like expecting them. To, that's episode one feels so weirdly jarring because it's like here's all these characters, mm-hmm. and so like I don't yeah. know any of these people, and I can't, you can't suddenly tell me these two, this elfin man, uh, elfin woman, are in love. You've not shown any of that. You can't just like yeah. here it is. Like so, when you get the chance to have longer scenes and longer moments in these episodes, I think it's really great. Yeah, like, oh yeah, no, I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> it's fine. I think writers do sometimes. Uh, yeah, um, like slow mo. I think they've overused and much. yeah executed a bit. Naff. Like I think compare it to the slow mo they used in Fellowship with Boromir's death scene. Yeah, I think there's a bit more emotional weight behind that. Because, like, Boring is literally sticking with arrows at that point. So you're expecting an emotional payoff as compared to, like, the slow-mo when Arendia, Theo, and Bronwyn are running through the forest from the orcs. Yeah. The, I think, slow-mo takes away from the dope action that Arendia is yeah. Yeah, I think off. it really does, yeah, definitely. And it sort of implies that there's going to be an emotional kick at the end either one of those three are yeah. going to die nothing happens yeah or reveal yeah. that i i thought they were going to kill durin yeah because uh, it's disa's singing at the end we see durin run off into the mines so i thought they were going to kill off durin or at least one of the dwarves but no yeah the, nothing all happens. the dwarves in that mine was yeah. fine yeah yeah um uh, choices yeah harfoots i like i like the harfoots in general the culture's cool the sort of social conventions are cool when they're not being like psychopaths and like fuck them leave them behind for dead <laughs> yeah that aside i think generally the storyline is good but it's so far removed from the other plot lines like if you take the half yeah, it's out yeah, it doesn't yeah, change yeah. the show no exactly. i'm sure that's my I'm fundamental sh- problem yeah i'm sure there will be yeah but there needed to be something that threaded it yeah you know from the point yeah and, you know, Ayari and Isildur's sister is just casually in a rom-com. <laughs> I know. Gosh. They're suddenly like that now, aren't they? After like two episodes and now like, oh, now we're just like... I mean, they, had their, they had their meet cute in episode oh. four. She spilled some wine on him and it's like, ah, oh, they've done the lovey-dovey eyes. You see the love heart. And also, I know we're wrapping up soon, but I also don't really understand how why she was so fundamentally anti them going to war. No, he knew that. Like, it was just felt like, why are, you so, why are you so... You need to tell your father to stop this, but why? What's your reasoning? I don't... There was never explained. No. That's, yeah. She seems very close with Isildur as well, yeah. but that's not been expanded on or no. given any substance. It's almost so like just... she doesn't exist as a character and there shouldn't really be a picture. Hmm. You might <laughs> have something there. It's like I but can understand I, uh, a lot of new yeah. characters and stuff, but I just don't, I don't understand what she's giving. That's my yeah. Like he literally has a brother, yeah. <laughs> and you just—it's not like the Hobbit films where they added Tauriel because it was a predominantly male cast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some legit strong female characters in this show, and I don't think they've been done justice yet but yeah. like you've got Miriel, you've got Galadriel Bronwyn could have done something um, 
Disa is good. No. I, really, I really like Dorian and yeah. Disa. They're great. Disa is like top five characters, top three. Maybe yeah. she's really yeah. killing it. For all the hate I have for Nori's name, I think she's a pretty solid character. I think she and like she's got very hobbity. Yeah, she kind of vibes. embodies that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they've got proper female characters. They didn't need to shoehorn one in. In yeah, exactly. It's not a Tauriel situation where they had so many male characters, like we kind of need a bit of femininity yeah, yeah. in this story. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah, this is just for sake of it is my vibe. But yeah. Oh well. It's cool. We're having it's cool. We're having the best time. We're loving it. Yeah. I I'm still gonna watch it. Yeah. We'll probably have like a probably by next time we'll do an episode. It'll either be all out or probably a finale preview would be my vibe. Um I have like started like making notes on it if I were doing a second age Lord of the Rings show. That could be fun. We could definitely do that at yeah. some stage. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be quite nice. Um but yeah, otherwise I think if I don't I don't have any more ring stuff just yet. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think that's been quite cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> that's the therapy session. I hope you also enjoyed listening to the therapy session. If you're also uh, having issues with Rings of Power, but maybe you're loving it, let us know in the comments yeah. below if this is on YouTube, might be on YouTube, um, or you can just talk to us on social medias. Where can they find us, Jamie? They can find us on at Just Not Crick Pod, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the TikTok, yes. on the YouTube. We're where everywhere. we might have a special exclusive yes, video special coming video soon. Coming I say soon. Soon. Uh, soon for us is like three months. <laughs> <laughs> but there will be a special video soon, which if you like cricket and wrestling, which is going to be a very small percentage, I think, of two, liking the two, those two things, I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, it's definitely different. I think it's quite a lot of fun. Um, and I think the plans kind of do a lot more kind of additional content stuff, mm. especially upcoming World Cup. Um, we'll be back for another podcast in I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the coming weeks because then that can mean anything. Um, <laughs> um we'll be definitely back before the World Cup. Um and after the seven matches of this for this cricket. But it's been good to be back. Have you enjoyed it, Jamie? Yeah. I have enjoyed it. It's, it's been a good a nice little yeah, yeah, nice little crick chat and the other thing. <laughs> and the other thing, and the rings, the rings of cricket. Um, but yeah, uh do give us a like, follow, all that jazz. Do let us know about the man cad and how you... No, don't, please don't. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see you soon. And as Jamie... Jamie's always going to see us out in his traditional sense of... I can trigger everyone who likes cricket in Lord of the Rings. Galadriel, man cads, LND, cut to oh. black, laugh track, 80s theme music oh, plays. Oh, God. I'd watch that. I would. Yeah. <laughs>